Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. Welcome to the program. I am delighted to welcome internationally acclaimed poet Jennifer M. Gnutz to the program. She lives in Germany, but tonight she will join us from her place of birth, Jamaica, one of the most beautiful Caribbean islands on earth as a writer. Her inspiration comes from a variety of sources, such as her vivid imagination, her personal experiences, seeing words, word combinations on paper, hearing words or phrases, watching events in the world unfold around her, and observing life in its fullest. Please visit her website and read more information about her extremely fascinating life story. I would like to say welcome Jennifer to the program, but we're experiencing some technical problems, so please hold on. Hang in there. Hopefully, here she is. Hold on. Let's see. Good evening, Jennifer. Hi, Michael. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Good. How, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh, yes. Sorry, there were little technical difficulties, yes. but now I got in. Fantastic. I am so pleased. I am so happy. <laughs> <laughs> So because I. usually when there are technical problems, <laughs> that's the end of the line. But not tonight. Yeah. We would okay, not be tonight. Good. We would not yes. be tonight. Welcome. Welcome. You know, I stated that you live in Germany. What city in Germany do you live in? I live in Hamburg, which is in the north of Germany. All it's right, about two nice. and a half hours away from Berlin. All right. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's begin this poetic journey. Yes. Jennifer, <laughs> what is poetry? Uh, poetry are sentiments put to words in a rhythmic manner, which um, deals with emotions of love, spirituality, death, problems, everything packed into one. To just exp- you're just exploding your mind with whatever it is that comes in there, and you're putting it out on paper. Or in this modern world, you're putting it right, type, writing it immediately directly into your cell phone in the notes. <laughs> yes, yes. Exploding your mind with words. Flesh that out for me. Tell me more about that, the exploding part of it. <laughs> well, I write on all themes. I, my mind makes click on different themes. And it just, the words just sort of explode out of my mind onto paper. You know, I write about death, um, problems, like I'm walking in the street and I see a mad person. And then, you know, I wonder what made that person become crazy? What made that person become homeless? You know, and then I sort of imagine myself speaking to the person. And for instance, I have a poem dealing with exactly that um, experience. Because I always feel sad when I see poor people around, and I always mm-hmm. wish I had the money 
enough money to sort of help them by putting, you know, like establishing an old people's home or a homeless home. You know, I just want to help people, but I don't have the funds, so I help in the little way I can by either if I'm walking past the store and I see a beggar, then I will just, and I have the time, I will go inside and I'll buy a sandwich and a drink and then give it to the beggar because I know mm. I'm getting my salary at the end of the month. Yes, yes. You know, it's funny, when I reread your biography on your website, then you made the statement that I do what I can within my means. Exactly. That stood, <laughs> that stood out to me. So, and again, I just read it. So for you to say that since we've been talking, I just read that. I can understand. I think that's such an honest, an honest assessment of life to do what we can within our means. I'd like exactly. that so much. Exactly. Like if more so people much. would do that, then more people would be helped and less people would be homeless. Yes, I agree. I agree. So based on what you know about the world, based on what you've experienced, is poetry important? Well, I would say poetry is important in that it's a quick way of getting um, experiences, of getting problems of society out there in the open. Because not everybody is going to pick up a book and read, but if, you, if there's an event and you're reciting a poem, then someone in the audience might pick up something from the poem, might get, um, what do you call it, inspired by whatever you say in the poem to act in a positive manner towards his fellow human. So poetry is important. Mm. You know, there's some people out there who believe that poetry is dying. What is your take on it? It's definitely not dying because if you look around, everywhere there are different um, poetry events cropping up, which are well attended. (laughs) Young people now are getting more into poetry. You even have some seniors like myself, I'll be 70 (laughs) next month, who are right. into poetry, so um, mm-hmm. it's definitely not dying. And you have a lot more online Zoom events happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we actually met. You yes, met it is. one of these <laughs> Zoom events. So <laughs> definitely not that's dying. True. You know, I'm already happy that you're here. I, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> filled with so much good emotion. Please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. Ooh, wow. I can't really put my finger on it, but um, when my father, my father was murdered shortly before my yes. 20th birthday, and I never cried because I was still in a state of shock. The tears mm-hmm. came later, and when the tears came, I wrote nonstop 13 poems about... Oh my impressions of him, my life with him, my thoughts of him, and everything. So um, that, for me, is just an, one experience, I would say, where I know poetry. And then there are times I write, I've read poems to other people, and they have mm-hmm. told me, who are you because of the power that's coming out in your poems? Mm-hmm. You know, I can only describe myself as fun-loving, but mm-hmm. a very deep, 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 and spiritual person, even though I write yes. erotic poems. Yes. Well, let me ask this question. So you said you wrote 13 poems. Was there something special about that particular number of poems? 13? No, no. It, it, those 13 just came. It just flowed. I wrote mm-hmm. more later about him. 
So mm-hmm. the number is now much more than 13. Okay, I do understand. Jennifer, please share a poem. Okay, since we started on the theme of my father, I'll do that first. You know, children don't always get along with their parents, and my father was super strict, so I always wanted to have my freedom. Mm-hmm. And when he was murdered, you know, it sort of shocked me and said, that's not the kind of freedom I wanted. So this poem is yes. titled Reflections. God, I pray because I know you care. I pray because I love you. I pray because I know you will make my dreams come true. But God, one dream was a mistake. That one ugly, stupid, selfish, childish, ungrateful dream. I know I often wished he'd go to hell. But God, I didn't really want the devil to come and take him away from me. It was just childish retaliation. And I was asleep, you see. God, in future, please grant not all my wishes unless they be what you want for me. God, why was my father murdered? Why, God, why? God, did my father die that I might live? Why, God, why? End of poem. You know, again, when I read your story, it stayed with me. From the beginnings of your tale until (laughs) all the years later. Yeah. So what do you write about, Jennifer? I know you write erotic poetry. I know you write about life. What what are some of the predominant things of your work? Um. Predominant things are problems in society. Problems in society about the children suffering, old people suffering, blind people, you know, homeless, and things happening not only in my immediate surroundings, but things happening other other places. Like I have a poem also about someone climbing a mountain, you know, because you have all these people. Recently, there was this... Um, person who also died there mm-hmm. while climbing the mountain you know so mm-hmm. I'm saying I have this poem that also deals with you know everybody wants to reach the top of the mountain but the mountain doesn't really want them to be climbing it mm. <laughs> that is true <laughs> you don't have to think about it from that perspective that's true <laughs> you are trampling on the mountain's home <laughs> so you're right <laughs> you know all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours? And what makes them special in your eyes? I don't have influences because I write my own style, but there are poets I like. You know, mm-hmm. Jamaica has a lot of famous poets. Louis Bennett Covelli. Um, we have Muta Baruka. We have uh, Claude McKay, who the British have actually claimed him as their own, but he was actually born <laughs> in Jamaica. Yes. You know, you also have Edward Ball, you know, and you have Yesus Afari, who is one of the more popular ones at the moment, you know. And mm-hmm. I grew up actually on Shakespeare and Williams Wordworth, you know, <laughs> and Byron and Keats and those. But oh, really? my poems have <laughs> nothing to deal with them. My poems deal with reality. Yes. <laughs> reality. What is reality, Jennifer? What is it? 
Explain it to me, please. You're a wise person. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it to me. Oh, I'm not that wise. For me, me, reality is everything I see happening around. For instance, the problems we're having in Jamaica, it's a mm-hmm. reality that prices are rising. The minimum wage in my country is only 13,000 Jamaican dollars a week. And All yet, right. on, you can't fill your fridge on the half of that. So... The result is you have crime rising, you have people not eating properly, and yet mm-hmm. you need to eat properly to be, remain healthy. Yes, you, you know. do. Yes, you, you, do. Yes, you living, do. You have cost of living raising, you know, with rent mm-hmm. being high. So how can someone who earns like 40 or $50 a week a month, how can they survive when rental prices, you hardly, it's difficult for you to find something that's even third, on the, a room under 30000 a month. Oh, wow. When, you know, but the Jamaican people still, uh-huh. you know, they still smile. They love their music, and the music is what keeps them happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. You know, how, how does a poem begin for you, Jennifer, with an idea a form or an image? It comes in different, different ways. Um, I was at an exhibition recently, and there was a mm-hmm. title of a painting. It wasn't a painting that really made a click in my head. It was the title of the poem. But I will do that poem for you at the very end. Okay. You know, other times there are just situations where you look at, I look at the fact that a lot of guys... Um, go to bed with girls or girls go to bed with guys and they're not yet mm-hmm. married. Yes. Yeah? And yet these teenagers or these men regard the woman as being cheap and then they go and marry someone else after. Yes. You know, true. so I'm, what I'm saying is men shouldn't call women cheap or whores unless they are actually mm-hmm. going to bed with a, someone who's working as a prostitute because just as all <laughs> the men, the men want to go to bed with the woman without being married to her, then, mm-hmm. um, you know, the woman also say the man is just as easy. Yes, true. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and that inspired me to write a poem. And you're going to so, share that one at the end? No. The one about the painting, I'll share at the end. This one I can share whenever you're ready for me to do another poem. All right. Share it right now. I want to hear it. <laughs> right. Okay. It is titled Tactics. You sized me up lusting. I smiled inwardly, waiting. My cool expression did not betray me, but I, too, wanted you. Your yearning gave your legs courage. They brought you to me way up close. You speeched me down. While your heart loaned your lips its voice, I felt your excitement. Inhaled in sweet ecstasy your heavenly scent. I allowed you to court me. As I finally gave in, giving you my haul, you began sticking out your chest like a proud cock, going around boasting to all your friends, stating you captured me easily. <laughs> Bullshit. You see, I too had eyed you lusting, wanting. Oh yes, I too wanted to possess you. Now I've got you. Ha! End of poem. <laughs> oh, are you all right? It is a two-way street. 
it does take two to tango. Exactly. <laughs> Therefore, men should stop branding women. Yes, yes, yes. Let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake. All right? Okay. All right. What are the ingredients that go into making that cake that's a poem? What goes into it for you? <laughs> mm. Observation. That which you see, mm-hmm. that you can put into words, that which you feel, that you can also put into words, and that which you desire, that you can also put into words. That which makes you fair, you can also put into words. That which makes you happy or glow, you can also put into words. Communicating with God, you can also put into words. Mm -hmm. So practically everything can be put into words. You just have to mix it around to get Mm -hmm. the right recipe in terms Mm -hmm. of placing it line by line to Mm -hmm. make it into a poem. All right. So when (laughs) you create a poem, who leads, you or the poem? The poem. Tell me more. (laughs) Because I say the poem leads because I just write without being able to control it. There are times it's just a phrase that comes into my head, and I will put down the phrase and then go back to it another day if nothing else is flowing. I don't force myself to search for the words to write a poem. Mm -hmm. There are other times an idea comes into my head or a word, and I just write nonstop. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one page, two page, three page, four page, five pages. I just let it flow out. Mm -hmm. So the poem controls me, not I control the poem. All right. <laughs> I will just go back and edit it probably, or maybe say, oh, it would sound better if I added something else to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm enjoying you. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. You just don't thank know. You. I'm, happy I'm so to happy. Make you happy. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, when you think about writing a poem, How would you classify your ability to write? Is it a creative gift or a creative art? What do you think? It's a a God-given gift. Talk to me. Tell me more. It's a God-given gift because I feel that God is the one who leads me to write. Okay. You know, I grew up without a mother. My father was a businessman, so I grew up in boarding schools, or he paid for me to live privately with other people. The only Mm -hmm. person I could really communicate with as a friend was God, because my father made one thing. He made sure that we we went to church on Sundays. And if he didn't get out of bed early enough, he would be coming into the room and shouting and say, get your out of the bed, you know, and go to church. Mm -hmm. So therefore, God and my father have been the two main influences in my life. Now, I can't remember. Now, were you an only child? No, but my father was married once. His wife died childless of cancer. Okay. Yes. And so when his girlfriends told him that they were pregnant, he took over the financial responsibility, but he never lived with a woman again. So okay. I never had a mother figure growing up. Okay. I understand. 
And in prep school, I found myself treating the younger ones as how I would have wanted to be treated. So I'm always sort of looking out for younger ones and giving them the love that I never got from a mother. I understand. You know, again, your story is so striking. I mean, have you written about it in book form? I mean, I started an autobiography. But at yes. the moment, it's only in the <laughs> draft pages, and it's only just a few pages that I've it's written so just... far. All right. Well, again, like I said, again, you have really, you have lived a life. I guess we all live lives. We yeah. all. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. My life has been ups and downs, but you know, yes. my father always said, "Smile, and you know, don't wait on people to make you happy. You got to make mm-hmm. yourself happy." Yeah, so true. It's almost like we're in a private conversation, but that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so I try to find my joy in life. You know, you get depressed Mm -hmm. the moment, but depression is something that doesn't stay. You've got to make Mm -hmm. sure it doesn't stay. There are so many people at the moment who are suffering from depression. You know, Mm -hmm. so many people committing suicide. It's very, very sad, particularly when it's um, teenagers or young kids. Yes. You know, the world we live in, and I, I share this every time in every program, but 400 guests, I guess, almost. But there's the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent, Jennifer. You've heard me yeah. make this statement. <laughs> what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? What is our role? What are we here for? <laughs> well, I definitely would not say that we are there to guide the world. What okay. I'll say is that we are there to inform Mm -hmm. the world about what is happening and to try to touch the hearts of the people so that they will look at things maybe differently Mm -hmm. or they will sort of, you know, try to do better within their lives, maybe become Mm -hmm. a bit more spiritual, maybe become a bit more helpful, you know, maybe find joy in their lives when reading about through the poems or hearing through the poems, you know, about the lives of the poets or the story in a poem to know, wait a minute, you don't have to put up with this BS. You can Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, just move on with your life and find your own happiness. Well, with that in mind, do you have a particular audience in mind when you write? An ideal reader or listener? Talk to me. No, no, I don't think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. I simply write what comes out of my head. Mm. With that in but mind, if I, please. But if, I am, but if I am presenting my poems before a live audience, then I carefully mm-hmm. select what I think I would want to present on that particular day. Okay, I understand. Share another piece. Okay, this one deals with something I mentioned before. Um, about me reaching out to the home to an insane homeless person. It's titled Intruding Upon Your Isolation. In your eyes, a smile. I saw it flash by. On your forehead, a frown. Your brows knit, your ears twitch, your lips defiantly poised. Where are you? Do you even hear me when I speak? Can you comprehend my words, or do they sound garbled nonsense? 
Your eyes point to mine, yet they seem blank, so bleak. Do you even see me? Where are your thoughts? What do you see inside your head? What do you feel so isolated in your stead? Do you sleep upon a bed at night or curl like a cat at nights out on the street when your roaming empty eyes get weary and deadbeat? When or what do you ever drink or eat? Standing akimbo, your eyes nomadic, your chest heaving, your breath racing, your spent up energy from pacing, feet tapping the ground. But there's no music around to dance to. Or were you playing a song, a sweet lullaby, your mama's voice stored inside your now jumper's head? sung long before you journeyed into your isolated world. Have you ever thought to return? Can you direct your thoughts to here and now? I saw it. I heard it. Am I getting through to you? Memories pouring in? You just took a long, long sigh. Where are you? Sitting, sobbing, rocking your body, hugging your body tightly, frightfully, shaking your head, murmuring the incomprehensible. Enclosed in your isolation, I know you need help, but I need your help to help you. Who are you? Where are you? Who or what do you fare? Who or what sent you deep down inside, way up? there. Oh, you know, there is just something about your voice. (laughs) (laughs) That's what struck me that time when I first heard you share your work several months ago. Yeah. What in the relationship do you believe that's between your speaking voice and your written voice? Are they one and the same, or are they different somehow? When I speak what I write, I try mm-hmm. to put some emotions on it. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's something else. <laughs> I've heard over 400 voices. Yeah. <laughs> and in addition to the emotion... I can't put my finger on it, Jennifer. It's very powerful. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What else do you think it might be, in addition to the emotion? Maybe it's my inner self. Okay. Pouring itself out through the poems. That could be the case. That could be it. Because one of the questions that I ask people is that they usually say that You can look to comedians, artists, musicians, and poets to find a quality that emerges naturally from them when they're sharing. And that's what I'm getting from, I'm sensing from you. There's this, that inner voice that's coming out. Yeah, this other me. Yes. See, I'm good at what I do, Jennifer. That's why <laughs> that's why they play me the big bucks. Because <laughs> it's that other you. Yeah. 
that other me only shows itself when I'm on the dance floor or when I'm doing my poems. Yes, 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 I'm like that too. You know, my story is that whenever I share my work, I feel like when I'm in the middle of it, there's no one else in the world that can hurt me, stop me, get in my way or anything when I'm in my work. But when I'm complete, when I finish the work, that's when the vulnerability sets in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what did I say? What did I do? I mean, what will people think about me now? Mm-hmm. But when I'm in the middle of it, mm-hmm. God's in control. And yep. uh, I don't care what you think. I just don't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah, I thought you did. I thought you did. Now, has any of your poems that you've written ever humbled or frightened you? Mm. (laughs) Yes, but I just can't pinpoint any of them right now. There's one that I, yes, there's one I wrote, again, about my father called Soliloquy. That's a very mm-hmm. long one. It deals with the way he treated our mothers, our, us, mm-hmm. and about the way he died. Mm. You know, and when I, after I read it, you know, it really made me sort of question myself. Question, wait a minute, you know, do we have a love-hate relationship or is it just a love affair? Because I knew mm-hmm. I was totally afraid of him. Yes, yes. I've only fared two persons in my life, my father and my elder brother. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my elder brother used to beat me up when I was a child. Okay. All right. <laughs> he, he doesn't remember it, but he was the one who feels the pain. <laughs> the one who feels the pain remembers the pain, not the yes. one giving it. <laughs> that is so true. I had a conversation with my sister recently about something that I'm the elder brother that she said I did to her when we were growing up. <laughs> Of okay. course, I didn't See? remember. Exactly, exactly. But she was exactly. still mad. <laughs> no. Oh no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at my brother. <laughs> oh, I'm just being funny. No, I might be right. She was still mad. She was still mad. Please share another poem. <laughs> okay, this is a romantic poem. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Titled "Journey to Your Mind." Let me journey. Let me journey to your mind, honey. Only then can I tell you if you are really meant to be mine. Good looks alone is not enough for me to judge someone by. Personality and a good mind are what really gets me eye. So first I must journey to a hidden place that truly reveals who and what you are. Do let me journey, let me journey to your mind. Only then can I tell if you are really meant to be mine. Let me journey. Let me journey to your mind. I love you deeply. I cannot tell you that. Not yet. I need you badly. I cannot reveal all that. Not yet. When may I journey to your mind? When will you unlock the door? When will you let me in? I need to know. I need to know what goes on in there. I need to know. I just must know if you're the one for me to share my life with. I do so want to share myself, all my love with you. I've opened up all my doors, but you are still a mystery. 
I gave you me. Should I not have given all? Does your holding back mean the beginning of my fall? Give me even just a little glance. It will reveal to me if there is the remotest chance. Locking me out is neither loving nor kind. Do let me journey to your mind. End of poem. <laughs> you know, writing poetry and sharing poetry are two very different things. What made you decide to write and share your work? Mm. Well, write. There's no reason for me to write. It just came. I actually mm-hmm. started writing verses or composing songs when I was around seven years old. My elder brother, Patrick, and I slept in the mm-hmm. same bed. And, you know, children are being sent to bed at seven o'clock in the night, but the kids are not really sleepy. But they have to go. So there was a street light coming in onto our bed. And then one night, my brother said, let's sing pop songs. You know, in those days, in the 50s, it was really, um, you know, uh, in the early 60s, in Jamaica, there were a lot of British and American pop songs, you know, Cliff Richard and, you know, Everly Brothers, Righteous Brothers and all these people. So we would sing all those songs we knew. And Mm -hmm. then one night, we sang all the songs we knew and we couldn't fall asleep. And then my brother just said, let's make up our own songs. So we started making up our own, you know, little rubbish. You know, my baby has brown pants. My baby has brown eyes. My baby this and my baby that, because those were the lyrics that my baby was always in all those pop songs. And then Mm -hmm. one night, my lyrics actually made sense, sounded like a real song, you know. So from then, I've been just writing lyrics into notebooks, you know. And I still have some of those original notebooks from the late 60s, 67 onwards. Wow. And (laughs) then in school, you know, the teachers always let you write essays and poetry. So that's when I started writing prose without a melody with it. Because when I compose a song, the melody comes automatically with the lyrics. I can't separate it. That's a gift. Okay. So the prose then started coming actually during um, school in the form of the teachers, you know, telling us to write poems on this. And then I just never stopped. Mm -hmm. But I got more into it in the 70s. And then more and more. And then I've never stopped writing. Even since I've been here, I've been in Jamaica now since the end of May. Yes. And I, I plan on being here for a year because I'm now retired. And since I've been here, I've written a few poems too. And three of them were actually inspired by um, paintings I saw at the art exhibition. Oh, really? Tell I'll us about this of, art I'll exhibition. I'll do two of those towards the end. Okay, great, because I want to hear more about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was art. Um, there is a Cecil Cooper, who is a famous Jamaican painter, and he mm-hmm. also taught painting. And his foundation had an opening ceremony in the middle of June where a yes. lot of his protégés who are now professionals in their own right. One of them is actually a professor in Massachusetts at a university. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they um, lent some of their poems to this exhibition. Mm-hmm. And I walked around through the exhibition and there was just something that just touched me, you know, made mm-hmm. a click. And so mm-hmm. then I, a few days later, I wrote a few poems and some of them. Well, what do you think 
makes poets different from other people? <laughs> I don't think we're different. You don't think so? I, well, <laughs> well, we're not different from other. I'm sorry. We, we di- well, we okay then. The only thing in that we're different, I suppose, is that we we write whatever we see. We write whatever we feel, we write whatever we think. I can flip Mm -hmm. through a dictionary, for instance, and a word will make a click in my head, and that will automatically start me writing a poem. Hmm. You know, I can be talking to you and you see a phrase or a word that can make me, for instance, in my book, the poems I've read so far are in my book. Mm -hmm. I have an erotic poem book titled The Shower, and Mm -hmm. someone who read it, um, said to me, I would love it if a woman could write an erotic poem about something similar to the, what you wrote for, about the shower. The shower was not written about anyone in particular. It was just written about situation. And a few days later, I, I wrote a poem, an erotic poem, and sent it to him. He was neither my lover nor my close friend, and yet just the, the word he said that he would love it if someone would immortalize him in, his po- in a poem. And the word immortalize made it stick in my head. And I wrote a 10-minute poem. Wow. So here's so a question how, for that's you. That's how my brain works. Well, here's a question for you as an erotic writer of poetry. And I've asked this a couple of times over the years. What sex is poetry? What sex is poetry? Never heard of that before. It doesn't yes. have any sex. You don't think so? <laughs> no, no. Erotic is just is between man and woman, or mm-hmm. in these days, between the other kinds. Right, right, right. You know, so erotic poems are deal with deal with sex. It deals with passion. You know, it doesn't have to be explicit, mm-hmm. but, the, but the passion must be felt. Okay. When you're reading I'm, I'm, it, this or is, a, when this you is fascinating to me. It. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know everything. <laughs> okay, I'll do an erotic one later. Okay, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> if I may, <laughs> but not the long one. Okay. All right. All right. That would, that would take up too much time of your show. All right. Then not a problem. You want another one now? Yes, please, please. Okay, but this one is a social theme. Brutality. Okay. So many centuries have come and gone, yet crimes, prejudice, and wars keep going on and on and on. But we want to wake up one day to a new day, to a really new day. One day we want to read the newspaper without getting angry without regretting that we had learned the ABC. One day we want to watch the TV without needing to flick the remote control or wanting to break it, upset, disgusted by the suffering, the brutality we see. One day we want to listen to the radio without wishing we were deaf, being shocked, saddened, outraged by the news we hear. One day we want to look around us without being depressed, totally afraid of our fellow man, without wishing we were illiterate, blind, deaf, never born, or simply dead. One day we want to wake up to a new day, to a really new day, full of love, 
free of crimes, free of prejudice, and free of wars. Maybe one day soon or in centuries to come, we may awake to that lovely new day one day. End of poem. Wow. Would you read that one again? Certainly. Yes, please. You know, it was inspired by me being sometimes afraid to walk the streets. Mm-hmm. You I'm know, sure. me mm-hmm. being, me seeing some of those scenes that they show on TV, you know, or being shocked by what I hear on the radio. Sometimes I wish the television stations just wouldn't put certain um, happenings for everybody to see or warn us that something is going to become be shown so that if there are kids watching the TV, the parents can sort of switch the channel or send the kids to another room. Yeah, I agree. Brutality. So many centuries have come and gone, yet crimes, prejudice, and wars keep going on and on and on. But we want to wake up one day to a new day, to a really new day. One day we want to read the newspaper without getting angry, without regretting that we had learned the ABC. One day we want to watch the TV without needing to flick the remote control or wanting to break it, upset, disgusted by the suffering, the brutality we see. One day we want to listen to the radio without wishing we were deaf, being shocked, saddened, outraged by the news we hear. One day we want to look around us without being depressed, totally afraid of our fellow man, without wishing we were illiterate, blind, deaf, never born, or simply dead. One day we want to wake up to a new day, to a really new day, full of love, free of crimes, free of prejudice, and free of wars. Maybe one day soon, or in centuries to come, we may awake to that lovely new day, one day. End of poem. Wow. <laughs> That's what I wish for myself and everybody, but I know it won't happen in my lifetime, sadly. Yes, yes, well, I know. You know, you when I listen to you share your work, you really, really make me think, and I love that. I love that because it makes, the, for me, the questions that I ask different because I pull on different different information. I pull on the thoughts that I hear, the words that I hear, and I really appreciate you for that because tonight I've got a new question that I'm going to start asking people. Is poetry genderless? Yes. And it goes back to my question when I asked earlier about what sex is poetry? No sex. I guess I don't mean from the the physicality part of it, but just is so you you make me think, Jennifer, and I love it because is poetry genderless? Is it sexless? You've really I'm going to invite you back for part two 
Because you <laughs> <laughs> Because when you make me think of new stuff, oh, I knew you'd be a special guest. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm I honored. really did. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you're gaining anything from it, but Lord knows I am. Oh, <laughs> yes, you. I am. <laughs> Thank you. What, <laughs> what is the, for you, is the hardest and the, what's the, the easiest and then the most difficult part of the writing process for you, writing poetry? Well, mm. well, I would say the hardest part is when I get an idea, but it doesn't mm-hmm. flow immediately. That's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. So then I just go back to it a few days later, and if it still doesn't flow, then I go back to it. There are some poems that I write um, all in one go, and there are Mm -hmm. a few where it doesn't flow immediately. So I just write, leave it, go back again, and see if I get an idea and write. You know, so there are a few poems that have been that are done in three stages, but most of Mm -hmm. them usually flow. Okay. So when you think about writing poetry, what about the editing part of it? You know, some people are really sticklers around editing, but others are more relaxed. I, I am the you relaxed type. Me. Tell me more about being relaxed in terms of writing well, poetry. <clears throat> well, I look, I read it, I look at it, and then I say, if I like it. And then I just say, if I like it, then I say, okay. Can I add something to it to make it even a bit more stronger, to make it have a little bit more information that, Mm -hmm. you know, would make it sound a bit more, sort of give it a little bit more spice, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I I might look at the grammar and then see or look at the punctuation. And most of the times I just say, okay, the punctuation is not important for me right now. Important is just that I get the idea on paper. Mm. And then the punctuation can come later before I send it to somebody or before I put it on my Instagram. So knowing what you know about the world, your lived experiences, is writing a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Well, it's definitely letting a guard down in my erotic poems and in my political poems because then I don't care what anyone thinks when I write or when I write my spiritual poems. I know not everybody believes in the God of the Bible. Yes. You have those who believe in Buddha, in Sinti, in Kali, and those other Indian gods, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, and there are those who prefer our, to think of other things. But, um, so I don't, I don't really care about that, you know, what they think. You know, if they listen to my spiritual poems, then they can just, in their mind, cross out the word God and put in whatever they want. But -hmm. it would be good if they sort of got motivated to think of the Bible. You know, because whether or not you believe in the God of the Bible, um, reading it does do something to your mind. Mm. Mm. It can give you some form of peace. It gives me a form of peace. You know, there are lots mm-hmm. of things I see in the Bible when I read it that I don't understand why that happened, you know, or how can that happen. But there are other parts of the Bible that I read and I, I feel at peace with it. You know, I don't like the thing mm-hmm. of the, all these wars that were going on in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, there are other parts of it, you know, that you say, okay, 
it sort of eases my mind. The Bible now, is a very you, contradictory book. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, you've traveled sharing your work all over. Do you try to be original when you share different pieces, or, are you, or do you prefer to deliver what your audience wants? No. I deliver what I write. I deliver what's in my mind. But if someone, you know, there are times I will ask the public, do you want to listen to something spiritual, something romantic, something about friendship or something about socialists or something about erotic? Okay. And then I will give them what they say they want. Mm-hmm. Is there one that you prefer to share? One type? Well, no, but there I do have a favorite poem about my grandparents. Okay. All right. Would um, you share it? You know, right. I was my grandmother was towards the end of her life. They were in their nineties. She was paralyzed. My grandfather was totally blind. And whenever I visited them, I just felt soft in the heart when I saw him sitting beside her bedside, holding her hand and talking to her. He couldn't see her, you know. They can't get you know, sort of get up and hug each other and you know, sort of dance with each other as before. And, you know, so like a naughty little thought came into my mind. It's a pity that they're still so much in love and they can't have sex. So this naughty little thought made me write a poem, and I'm going to do it in two languages. For those who want your, your listeners who understand German, I'll do it in German and then I'll translate it. Verliebte Alte, wie feige Soldaten unsere Energien sind desertiert. Du kannst mich nicht hochhalten und ich kann es nicht hochkriegen. Also, lass uns nur küssen und miteinander rumfummeln. Denken den Spaß wir hatten, als wir beide jung und verliebt waren. Ah. It's titled Old Love. Like cowardly, this is my grandfather telling my grandmother he's impotent. Like cowardly soldiers, our energies have deserted. You can't bear me up, nor can I keep it up. So let's just kiss and fondle each other's bundle. Think of the fun we had when young. Ah. End of poem. Okay. You know, as I said earlier, there's something about you that just stands out to me. My father is is blind. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother died a couple of years ago, about two years ago now. And I remember when she was in hospice. He was sitting in one chair beside her, and I was sitting across from them. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, he can't see her. Mm-hmm. I took Similar a picture of it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. See, Jennifer, you, I resonate with you, my friend. I resonate with you. That's why you were supposed yes. to be with me tonight. You were supposed <laughs> to be with me tonight. Yes. I said to myself, and I, it's funny, I shared this picture with my one of my sisters a couple of months ago. He was in okay. the chair, but he couldn't see her. Right. Look and on my website again. There's yes. a picture of them on my website. No, really? With him, with him just... sitting beside her. Yes. Oh, wow. Come on. Seriously? Yes, on oh. my website, there's a picture of my grandparents. Wow. After the interview, take a look at them. I will do that. I will do that. You know, you wish there are certain people you wish would live forever. Yes. And those two are people I wish would live forever. 
I can understand that. I can understand that. I can understand that. Wow. Take a brief break, Jennifer, and we'll be right back, okay? Okay. Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Jennifer M. Garnatz. Jennifer, please share a poem. This one is for all the men. It's titled The Canvas. My eyes, feeling our harmony, led my hand over the canvas, which, like a boomerang, gave me your masculine body. The erotic radiance in your magnetic brown eyes, piercing so deeply into my soul, touching my heart so intensely that the hot blood led my fingers as if hypnotized, dapping, tapping over the canvas, recreating you like an Adonis, my masterpiece. That's how my lovesick eyes saw you as they laid their vision of your reflection into my hand, guiding my fingers slowly, lovingly, carefully, tenderly over your godly body, spread eagle on the canvas, naked as God created you, the very picture, the epitome of the perfect man. That's how I see you, that's how I painted you, my masterpiece. End of poem. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? <sighs> That's difficult. I would say then maybe I would tell my younger self that I should have started writing many, many more poems mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. They, the majority of the poems started in the 70s mm-hmm. and continue to today. But it would have been nice if I had also done some, a lot more when I was a teenager. But when I was a teenager, I was mostly concentrating on love songs, lyrics to songs. Yes. Rather than serious poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Serious you know, themes, I should say. Well, I've got to invite you back for part two because we've reached that part of the show that I view as being my personal favorite part of the show, to be quite honest. Yeah. I view it as being a, <laughs> a mini poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share three or four of your works back to back, no interruption from you. <clears throat> Jennifer, you're on the stage. Okay, thank you very much. My poem is titled Unjust Punishment. 
growing up in the Caribbean, as blacks in the Caribbean or blacks in the Western Hemisphere, we all know that we, let's just say 99% of us, did not come directly from Africa the way we would have wanted to, but that we were enslaved, packed like sardines on ships, and forced to labor as slaves. This poem is titled On Just Punishment. As the pain soars, heart sends tears, anger roars, hate grows. Powerful black limbs receive blows upon blows, heavy flesh-cutting, stinging, cruel blows. He doesn't dare allow his face to show. He doesn't want his heart to grow full of pity. He doesn't want his victim, his once fondly treated slave, to know that he'd rather not torture him. So, Bakramas's tears flow hidden inside, because his stubborn brain silently shouts, set an example, an example must be set. Your overseer, your slaves must feel, must fear your power. Akramasa thus orders to take it further, skin stretches, limbs torn, as the expensive giant, silent, martyred, proud slave finally dies. The master, head high, marches away. Inwardly, he bitterly cries upon killing his favorite field slave. An example had to be set. So he consoles himself, so he justifies the unjust punishment. After that every poem, to lighten it up a bit, this poem is titled Coming On. You are coming on to me, though we both know you are not free. Are you a gigolo, frustrated, a sex addict, or what? Why do you want to make her cry, bring pain to her heart, Sorrowful tears to her eyes, cheating on her, telling her cruel lies, telling me sweet lies. Were I weak enough to allow you to get closer to me, I am sure you would not remain for eternity loving just me. Would you not steal anxiously away during your lunch break, lying on any surface, leaning against any wall and join quickies till I fall? And then you call the next one to take my place when you get tired of touching my body and seeing my face. Even though my body may be longingly itching to say, yes, I am strong enough, not a fool in love enough to get crazy, entangled in your lustful sex trap. Push me, coax me, don't entice me with material rewards. I am strong enough to say no, accept it, just go. My next poem is titled Eye of the Beholder. It was inspired by a painting by a young Jamaican woman, Shandis, whose painting was at the Cecil Cooper Foundation exhibition. Your eyes behold my outer shell. I smile, seem happy. You automatically think I'm doing well. The eye of the beholder can never truly deduce what's going on beneath inside this outer shell. Turmoil within, so I smile without, too scared to evoke feelings of pity, feelings of disgust arousing mistrust. 
I project outward lightness. I project a carefree me. I project a strong woman deep in thought, though emanating from a heart, suffering from lovesickness, something no one could ever guess. Many internal, external mobbing battles I have fought, won them all destined to never fall. I dictate just what part of me the eyes of the beholder should get to see. My next poem, Love Mask, is inspired by the title of a Brian McFarlane painting, titled What's Behind the Love Mask. I asked him at the exhibition what inspired him to write such a title. He said it's a complicated story. So I wrote a complicated love poem. <laughs> you speak of love of loving me wholeheartedly. You smile at me, I believe I see longing in your eyes. I feel your touch, hot fingers burning with a desire, setting my body on fire, willingly giving your body to me, seeking my reciprocation. As you cover my senses with your overwhelmingly sweet, electrifying love potion. Seems only temporarily, though I longed for you eternally. Was it all a love mask you were wearing? Something is amiss. I sensed it in your today's morning kiss. So different from yesteryear. I heard it in the way you called my name. I saw it in the way you looked at me as you turned your head away, cutting your eye, not revealing why. Your love is waning Though my love is waxing, though I'm still full, full of yearning. What's behind your love mask? Can it be you are too timing me? Now I wish my love for you was not so strong enough to make me so weak enough to be so deeply hurt inside that I feel the gut-wrenching pain, sensing, no, now knowing my love for you is all in vain. This hurt will hurt, leaving me in mental agony for months to come. After you've gone to the other one, still, you won't reveal to me why. What's behind your love mask? Why yesterday made love to me so passionately? Then today burst my romantic bubble, leaving my heart in a confused rubble. Was that your selfish parting gift? Flying me sky high in sweet ecstasy unexpectedly, dropping me like a bomb exploding into oblivion. What's really behind your love mask? Who is what really is the personality you have so cunningly, so successfully been fooling me, made a complete fool of me, hidden behind your secret love mask? And I can't even take you to task if in your secret world happily you bask. Who is what is really behind your love mask? That poem I wrote in one go nonstop. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'll save the other poems for the next time I'm back. All right. All right. All right. Yes. Because you will come back. You will come back. Do you think you were meant to be a poet, Jennifer? Well, yes. God didn't give me a voice to sing. I love to sing. But at boarding school, I was told to confine my singing to the bathroom. 
So I guess this is God's way of, um, you know, saying, okay, I didn't give you the talent to sing, but I've given you the talent to write. So I thank God for that. Well, what surprises you most about being a poet? The ideas that I come up with to write poems. Mm-hmm. Because had I not been writing the poems, these thoughts would not have been going through my head the way they do on paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience, but others write because to stay silent is not an option. Jennifer, my friend, why do you write? Or why do you continue to write? I continue to write because things I see, things I hear, things I feel inspire me to write. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw a documentary the other day on NBC. Um, It's about something that happened in 2016. There was a young woman, Kyra. There is now a foundation called Kyra.com, K-I-R-A. This woman was in the hospital giving birth to her second child. And the husband noticed that she was bleeding. He called the nurse. Nobody responded. He called the doctors. Nobody responded. When they finally responded after almost an hour, it was too late. She died. A former health woman died of hemorrhaging in a hospital. How can that happen Mm. in this modern world? And mm-hmm. that inspired me to write a poem. I'll let you hear it next time. All right. But I, I can, I'll send it to you by email so you can read okay. it. Okay. All right, then. Beautiful, beautiful piece. Jennifer, what's next for you? Where do you go from here creatively? <laughs> ah, well, since I've arrived in Jamaica, I have been taking part in poetry events, and I would like to do more of that in my own native country, because so far I've been doing it in Germany. I have, um, years ago, I featured at the New Yorican Poets Cafe. I've done a few open mics there as well, you know. So I want to do more in Jamaica and maybe see if I can publish a book in Jamaica. The first book I did was self-published. It's Mm -hmm. only available online through Books on Demand, you know, on Amazon as an e-book or ordering Mm -hmm. it. And all the poems before these last three were from my book. And so I would like to see if I get a publisher in Jamaica who would then publish some of the others that are not yet published. But I have quite a lot. So, I mean, I would just have to select a few to Mm -hmm. put in a book. But self-publishing it is too much work for me. I'm lazy. (laughs) How can people, how can the listeners stay in touch with you, my friend? Okay, they can stay in touch with me via my Instagram page, which is my name, Jennifer M. Garnett. They can also um, send me an email at jennifermgarnett.gmail.com. Those are two ways of getting in touch with me. Mm-hmm. All right. You know. uh-huh. Here's a question for you that's totally, totally off the subject. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Oh, (laughs) I'm living in Germany so long, I no longer pronounce my English the way it is supposed to be pronounced. But I suppose we say Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's Caribbean. 
Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I say Caribbean, and supposedly that's wrong. So I won't, I won't say it's wrong, but I know that we usually say Caribbean. Okay, all right. We're from, we're, right. We're from the Caribbean. Yes, right. You're from, from the Caribbean. The Caribbean okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for brightening my evening as well as the world's tonight by sharing your work, sharing your perspective on life. I wish you nothing but continued success. I want from this point forward to follow your career. When you have engagements, please let me know. Zoom engagements that I can sit in on because I just enjoy hearing you share your work. Okay, I definitely will. And I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for inviting me to be on your radio show. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed communicating with you. Well, thank and you. I love your thank happy you. voice. Well, thank you very much. And you contributed to that. You really did. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> With four minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. We were together. At okay, good. <laughs> that's good. All right, that's everyone. good. All right. All right. Well, to the listening audience, as I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Take care, Jennifer. Good night. Take care, Michael. Thank you very all much. Right. Good night. Blessings. Yes, blessings. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.